Hello, this is Pastor Kenny, and welcome to the Living Hope Wesleyan podcast. If you would like more information about what we are all about, make sure to visit hopeforvermont.org. Enjoy. As we look <clears throat> next, we just look and thank you for your continued obedience and tithes and offerings and giving. Uh, often we receive checks in the mail, 5793 Waterbury Stowe Road, Waterbury Center, 05677, but also online, hopefulvermont.org. Our bookkeeper uh, informs me when she makes a withdrawal and just uh, deposit and just uh, lets us know that you guys are not just out there, but you believe in the vision that God's called us into, and we're just so appreciative to have you take part and uh, be a part in that spiritual discipline of tithes and offerings. So we certainly say thank you for that. Um, once more, if you're new, my name is Jeff Fuller. I'm the pastor at Living Hope Wesleyan Church, hopeforvermont.org, YouTube, Living Hope Wesleyan Church, podcast, Living Hope Wesleyan. And we've been looking at Hebrews for the last several weeks, and we continue in Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 6 is where we find ourselves today. And we find these words from Hebrews chapter 6, uh, verse 3, which we ended last week. And God permitting, we will do so. And God permitting, we will do so. This is what uh, Jesus has called us into, to mature, to grow, to be more like himself. In the uh, New King James Version, and this we will do if God permits, if God allows. We also have read and understand that if you grew up in the church or are familiar, that as we obey God, what we ask is according to Him. It's kind of like if you plan a big event, if you really try hard to do something inspirational, motivational, something that's going to be compelling and helpful, and then uh, after all the planning is done, after all the things are made, after all the volunteers have their tasks list, their responsibilities, you say, God, please bless this. Oh God, please show up. Oh God, we want you to be a part. It's backwards. God would have us first say that, hey God, what do you want me to do? What do I need to adjust in my life? How can I come uh, to a point of maturity or maturing where I can understand this is what you want? And then what we plan is already blessed because we know it's what God has for us. Too often we go backwards. We just plan and prepare and plan and prepare and then say, God, help. When at the beginning we should say, God, what do you want from me? What can I do to help others see you? And then whatever we plan is in accordance to God's will. God permitting, we will do so. As we look at Hebrews 6, 1 through 3, Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from the acts that lead to death and of faith in God, instruction about cleansing rites and the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment, and God permitting, we will do so. This is when the writer of Hebrews is talking about God wants us to move on to maturity. One thing that I've found is that maturity means you are maturing. It's not an end point. It's not, hey, all of a sudden you've reached maturity. All of a sudden you are done. There's no more growth that needs to take place. 
place. It's maturity is one that understands you need to be maturing. You need to be growing. You need to be being as Jesus called you. You can find rest in knowing that God has a plan for your life, a plan to give you hope and peace. And many times that hope and peace comes not only in the victories, but also in the struggles, in the trials, in the temptation, in the hurting, in the yearning for something different. We can find God's joy in those places. Move on from the elementary teachings. That was the ABCs. The context of this is the alphabet. This is moving on from the ABCs. This is moving on from knowing God loves you no matter what. There's nothing you can do to make God love you more. There's nothing you could do to make God love you less. But we can live in a way that God is proud of us. We want to move on from that, hey, God loves me. Why would we uh, use God's grace so we could sin more and more? Of course not. We use God's grace so we can share with others that no matter what they've done in their past, no matter what they're feeling now, that God is for them, that God is loving you, that God looks at you and smiles as you do or did or have at your newborn child. You remember the joy, the happiness, the future, the potential that this individual, that this baby had. And that's how God sees us. He loves us and he looks at us and says, now you can move on from those elementary teachings. Hebrews 6, 4 through 5 says, It is impossible for those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the coming age and who have fallen away to be brought back to repentance. To their loss, they are crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting him to public disgrace. There are commentators, there are those that have researched, what does this mean? What does this say about your salvation, you as a believer, a follower of Jesus? And I would just say that God tells us to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, not by works, not by deeds, but to struggle with it, to go to his word, to uh, align ourselves with what he says. How are we living? Let me just jump to a uh, scripture that we find. This is in Romans 8, uh, 35 through 39. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine, nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him, Jesus, who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is our hope that nothing can separate us from God's love. Nothing can take us away from God's love. Nothing can remove us from his presence, but how we live can declare to the world and our family and those closest to us whether or not we truly believe in Jesus, whether we truly desire God's love, whether we are living for the truth of him.
Hebrews 6, 7 through 8. Hebrews 6, 7, and 8, we find these words. Land that drinks in the rain often falling on it, and that produces a crop useful to those for whom it is farmed, receives the blessing of God. But land that produces thorns and thistles is worthless and is in danger of being cursed. In the end, it will be burned. In the end, it will be burned. This is a reminder to us from Matthew 13, 1 through 9. Again, if you look at Hebrews 6, 7, and 8, you cross-reference that with Matthew 13. If you are struggling with reading a Bible, finding a Bible, you can't get a hard copy. You can order on Amazon. I would suggest a New Living Translation. The New International Version is what I'm using now. New Living Translation is slightly easier to read, but we go, the Version Bible app is a great way to download the Bible on your device. It has different devotional plans. But we find these words, the same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. First, maybe that's what you want to do. Maybe that's what you're going to get from this sermon, this message this morning is Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. It's supposed to be 60 degrees today. I want to leave where I am and I want to sit in the sunshine by the lake. I want to hear the water. I want to see the blue sky. So if that's what God's telling you this morning, then get out of your house, get into your vehicle, put on a mask and drive to a lake. And once you're at that lake, then enjoy the beauty and creation of God. But I think that God would have us go a little bit deeper today, or perhaps that's what he's trying to tell you this morning. Such a large crowd uh, gathered around Jesus that God sent his son into a boat and he sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them, Jesus told them many things in a parable, in a story, and something they could relate to. And this story was about a farmer who went out to sow his seed. It's about that time for farmers as they prepare their land, as they get ready to reap a harvest. Before you reap the harvest, you need to sow the seed. And he, uh, Matthew 13, 4 says, As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and, the, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown Whoever has ears, let them hear. This does not mean because you have ears, oh, automatically you are listening to what is being said. You are acknowledging the wisdom that's been given to you. We want to grow in knowledge, but even more through experience that creates wisdom that God is with us, that he is for us, that God is telling us the truth. So as a farmer went out, he went to plant seeds, and so he threw it on the path, the path where birds ate it up. He did not put it in good soil, but he put it on the path, and 
Perhaps you have had somebody witness and share the love of God with you and you wanted to believe it, but something came and stole that hope, stole that joy from you. It was too good to be true. It was nonsense for the unbelievers and maybe someone you looked up to. Maybe it was a dad or maybe it was an adult. Maybe it was a teacher, professor. And they said, this is ridiculous. This is foolishness. So that seed that the farmer wanted to take root was taken away. It was eaten up by birds. And as we continue, there are four soils. Actually, there's only one soil, the good soil. This is four places, only one being the good soil. The second place is rocky places where there is no place for the roots to grow. The The seed started, maybe you went to a youth camp when you were younger. Maybe it was Sunday school with your grandmother when you were a child. Maybe it was a place where you remember that there is a hope of Jesus. You understand that Christmas is about the birth of Jesus. Easter is about the resurrection of Jesus. But how does that apply to your life? Because it's so miraculous that it could never happen in real life that it just seems like, ah, yeah, that's good to know about. And because we are a thought to be Christian nation, then that's what I'm going to believe in. The third place where the farmer threw the seed was among the thorns, where it took root and began to grow, but then the thorns and the thistles began to grow as well. And they were overwhelming the roots of the good seed of the seed in that soil. They overwhelmed them. And perhaps it's why Christians need to know some sort of apologetics. People, Christians need to know some way to defend their faith. They need to understand how science explains Jesus. It's not contradictory to the truth of scripture. And maybe you are one that said, I asked Jesus into my heart. I was baptized. I was confirmed. I used to go to mass. I did all these things, but right now my faith is lost. I believe in a higher power, a supernatural force, but a Jesus that cares about every detail of my life, that, that wants to discern the situation that I'm in. This is too difficult to believe. This is not for me to understand. So I'm just going to throw all my pearls up in the air and say, wherever they land, they land. And that's why Jesus says not to throw pearls before swine, but they get choked out. They get overtaken because our faith has not been maturing, has not taken root. And finally, there was good soil. This is where there was hearts prepared. As a farmer goes out, you can't just go out and throw out seed. You need to Rototill? Is that what gardeners do? Farmers use a tractor to stir up, to break up the ground. Maybe what God's doing in us, for us during this pandemic, during this time of unknown, during this time of suffering, during this time of pain, is he's breaking apart the outside layer so he can turn up the good soil so that we can know the love of Jesus, and it can produce a harvest a hundred or sixty or thirty times what was sown, that what was there before, because God, we are allowing him to use us in this difficulty. We are allowing ourselves to grow in perseverance and in faithfulness of him. Whoever has ears, let them hear what Jesus wants to do. Uh, we find in Acts 1, 7 through 8, it says, It is not for you to know the times and dates the Father has set 
by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses, Jesus speaking, in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. This is what we want God to do in us, for us. That this soil, that God would have us be good soil, that this crop would not just be for us to grow, it's interesting. I thought I had it down, but perhaps I don't. When it says ends of the earth, it's talking also about soil that extends the world, the earth, the ends of the earth. We want Jesus' message to go in and through us to the ends of the earth. Yes, here it is. The good is right, beautiful, and excellent. And the soil is earth world, country, region, land, ground. We want God to use us, this good soil, this place that he's nurtured in us so it can reach others with the hope of Jesus, that it can share with others the truth of him. We are not saved just so we could go to heaven. That's the elementary teachings. We are saved by the grace of God through faith in him that we could share with others the truth of who God is, that we could grow. And that's not being proud. That's not being arrogant. That's just sharing. I want to share the hope of Jesus with others. Interesting passage made famous in a short book uh, several years ago now. It's called The Prayer of Jabez, and this is in First Chronicles. It's an Old Testament book, and it's really only one verse, but I'm going to read two. Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. His mother had named him Jabez, saying, I gave birth to him in pain. I gave birth to him in pain. Good soil that's going to produce a crop needs to be tilled up, needs to be broken apart, needs to be nourished. And Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And God granted his request. Now you might focus free from pain. That's what I want. But no, only out of pain can God reveal himself that we acknowledge that in our weakness, he makes us strong. So we understand that it's not our pain, but it's his strength that we're longing for. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. The desires of your heart is not more of what you want, but it's to delight in Jesus, to know Jesus. And some of us say, I know Know this. I believe in God. I have accepted the fact that there's a higher power. Well, James 2.19, you believe that there is one God? Good. Even the demons believe that, and they shudder. Coming across different people, and they hear that I'm a pastor, and I've had very, very good fortune, very, very good interaction with people, and they are, uh, whether they admire what I do, they at least seem to respect me for um, being a pastor. But someone say, hey, that's great that you're a Christian, but you know, I believe in God too. Like God, you know, he's a great power. He's a big guy in the sky. He, he helps me out. He did this or that. But when it comes to moving on from the elementary teaching to having a deep faith in reliance on Jesus through everything that you're going through, you believe that there is a God great. But even the demons believe in that, and they shudder in fear because they know that God would have something better for them. As we look back at Hebrews 
Hebrews 6.1 said, leave the elementary teachings, leave the ABCs, move on from knowing that God loves you no matter what, that God wants to use that love for you to reach out to others. We look at Hebrews 6, 9 through 12, and we're going to reconvene next week right here. And uh, if you did not receive a link for the Zoom fellowship following this, and you can certainly message me or Pastor Kenny, and we'll get that to you as we want to gather online for a time of hearing voices and seeing faces and celebrating your week and what God's doing in and through you and how we can encourage one another. But as we conclude Today, even though we speak this uh, like this, dear friends, we are convinced of better things in your case. The things that have to do with salvation. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. God will not forget you. What you have done is not lost. There have been those that I've spoken to mostly just about all pastors that have left one congregation and are going on to another or perhaps are in between and they say, ah, what I did made no difference. Even at times, honestly speaking, I fear from time to time in my discouragement as I allow Satan to get in and warp my thinking that, well, you know, what I did way back when, it never made a difference. It never made an impact. It never was used of God, but God is always at work. And even though we speak like this, dear friends, we are convinced of better things in your case, the things that have to do with salvation. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work. He will not forget your work. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. We want each of you to show the same diligence to the very end so that what you hope for may be fully realized. There's that scripture that says, do not get tired in doing what's right. Physically, you will get tired, but do not lose heart. Do not think it was all for nothing. Do not believe Satan's lies that you're just a person and what you said never really mattered because as people that grow in Jesus, it's his voice that brings change. So display him well. We do not want you to become lazy. Another scripture says sluggish, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. So as a farmer takes time to prepare the land so he can put down the seed, so the fertilizer and the nourishment of the rain in the water can bring a great crop that outproduces the seed that was sown. This is what God is telling us that imitate those who through faith and patience, perseverance, inherit what has been promised, the joy, the hope of who Jesus is. God's remarkable, and his presence is with us, and we have great joy because we believe in the Father, the one that sent his son, Jesus, that might give us life, that might give us hope, that we might know the truth of him.
If you enjoyed today's podcast, make sure to subscribe to the Living Hope Wesleyan podcast. Uh, you can also see the live versions of these sermons on the Living Hope Wesleyan Church YouTube channel, as well as any more information that you'd be interested in at hopeforvermont.org. Thank you so much for listening.